This week, Pierre Gasly on missing the raw competition of Formula One. Zach Brown on McLaren still needing two transitional years before they hit the front again. And Antonio Giovinazzi tells us that he's always raced with pressure, so why should 2020 be any different? And now, from kitchen tables, home offices, and Antonio's incredibly glamorous roof terrace, this is F1 Nation. Welcome to F1 Nation, everybody. My name's Tom Clarkson. And I'm Alex Jakes. And as ever, we have a packed show coming your way. But first, it's a quick resume of our week's highlights, as ever. AJ, what do you got? Well, I'm going to go first up with the relief that we are going back racing once again, that the F1 season is finally getting underway after a really uh, trying time. But I have to say, from a personal point of view, TC, I've been pretty worried that uh, I might have cursed it because at the end of testing, I did the final link and I said this. The hype is over. The next time you watch Formula One, it will be round one in Melbourne. And I have on occasion, Tom, thought, oh, I really hope we actually get a season. Otherwise, I'm going to be hearing about that for a very long time. (laughs) So it's not Melbourne. It's Spielberg. But it's brilliant that we're going racing once again. To be fair to you, AJ, there was a lot of noise about Melbourne with all of us in Melbourne, wasn't there? So uh, <laughs> you're only you're only out by a tiny bit, less hours, literally just hours, wasn't it? On the subject of going racing, one of my highlights this week is a quote from Imola boss Uberto Salvaccio Estensi, who said, "Why don't we have an Italian triple header?" This year, we've got Monza, of course, uh, the last of the current schedule at the beginning of September. And then he has suggested that we then bounce straight from there to Imola and Mugello. What is there not to love about an Italian triple header? We'd be celebrating Ferrari's 1000th race at the same time. Tuscany in in September. Uberto Salvaccio Estense, please tell me that you've got that little bit of basis on which to say that, because I think not just myself, a lot of people would love an Italian triple header. Hasn't happened since the 80s with Formula One visiting the same country three times. I need no persuading, TC. I need absolutely no persuading for an Italian triple header. And it was interesting, too, that when um, uh, Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel tested um, at Mugello on Tuesday of this week, Seb, who hadn't been there for eight years, came straight out and said, this place needs a Grand Prix. It's absolutely fantastic. And everyone we've spoken to on this show, actually, over the last few weeks, if if the subject of Mugello's come up, all of them have said how amazing it would be and, and so physical and fast and fantastic. And, and the Chianti in the evenings would be superb <laughs> as well. And AJ, before I ask you about your next highlight. Are you still trying to work out which country it was? You've probably seen from the expression on my face <laughs> that I am still trying to work out which country Formula One visited in the 80s three times in the same year. And I think, and I'm sure people listening at home will be thinking as well, I think it was the US. Any good? Absolutely right. And if you wanted to know how much of a broadcasting pro Tom Clarkson is, everyone, whilst he was telling you effusively about the idea of a triple header, he was definitely thinking which country it was. There was absolutely (laughs) zero concentration on what you were actually (laughs) saying there. Well, I'm going to continue my Italian theme. Do you own a little bit of Imola, Tom? (laughs) (laughs) We're moving on from Imola, but we're not moving far because... I read this week, I don't know if you saw this headline, that there is going to be a new film about Enzo Ferrari 
Ah. And it's highly likely that Hugh Jackman, he of, in my household anyway, greatest showman fame, because my daughter is absolutely mad about that film. But Hugh Jackman is going to play Enzo Ferrari. And the film is going to be based around 1957. Racing movies are done so much better now than they were 20 years ago that I think this could be absolutely brilliant. And I think Jackman would be a brilliant Enzo Ferrari. I love a good Ferrari film. Director Michael Mann, film buffs out there will know from Heat and Collateral and stuff that he knows his eggs as well. So it's going to be really good. Very excited about that. And how have we got to the final week of lockdown to bring up our favourite racing movies? I mean, come on. (laughs) Well, of course, that's only going to be a highlight of mine if it actually happens. But I think I've got it on good authority that it is actually going to go into production, that film. It's called Enzo Ferrari. So look out for that. And finally, we wanted to give you an update on what will become of this podcast. We have so appreciated your tweets, your comments. You've got involved and you've listened in such great numbers. We personally appreciate it enormously. And Tom, tell everyone out there what the plan is. Well, it's exciting news, Alex, isn't it? F1 Nation was initially set up as something to fill the void during lockdown until Formula One went racing again. But because you guys, the listeners, have listened in such great numbers and got involved, sending us, as Alex says, so many messages that we're going to continue with it. But we're not going to be a Friday show anymore. We're going to be going out every Tuesday, starting on Tuesday the 7th of July. So week off next week, then Tuesday the 7th. Every Tuesday between then and well, forevermore, 2050. I don't know, but please tune in. We love having you along for the ride and uh, we're going to have lots of analysis, loads of great guests. So that's it, folks. Every Tuesday from Tuesday, the 7th of July. We can't wait to get started on a Tuesday, but we've still got a show to bring to you right now. So let's get on with it. We're heading Woking Way for our first guests because McLaren have been in the headlines a lot recently. Of course, from a driver point of view, Carlos Sainz is off. Daniel Ricciardo is coming in. They've been at the forefront of the negotiations about the new Formula One from 2021 in terms of budget caps and regulations. So let's get Zach Brown on the line. Now, Zach, look, how are you? How have you been during during lockdown? I'm good. The team's team's good. It's been Obviously, very difficult and, and challenging, but in, in many senses, it's put us all to the, the test. And I, I like how all the men and women at McLaren have uh, responded during these difficult times. But I feel like we've got things pretty under control and it looks like we've got racing in about a week's time. So uh, we're, I, think, I think the world's ready to get back in business. Yeah, the madness starts for us all next week, doesn't it? But you more than anyone, Zach, appear to have had a busy lockdown in a Formula One sense because you've been helping to steer the new rules going forward. You've been sorting out your driver lineup for 2021. Let's start by talking about the rules. Are you pleased with the outcome? I am pleased for for the outcome. I think the sport now is much more uh, sustainable. I think it's going to make the sport much more competitive and ultimately, the fans are going to be the winners of our kind of, I guess it wasn't really an off-season, but our COVID season, uh, off-season work. And um, I think if the fans win, the sport wins because we'll have more fans, newer fans. That'll drive television. That'll drive countries wanting to have more Grand Prix. That'll drive more sponsor partners wanting to join. And so, you know, well done to the industry. It wasn't easy. Not everyone was always on the same page, but I think we've landed in a very good spot. 
And well done to Zach Brown as well, because it seems that the sport has come back towards McLaren. It's almost as if McLaren is the blueprint going forward for how a Formula One team should look. Where the rules have landed are right in the sweet spot of McLaren. But I, I think if I look at, you know, the, the top three spending teams, uh, they have uh, plenty of resource. So they'll have uh, challenges and kind of scaling back if you'd like. But that's kind of a, a good problem to, to have, so to speak. So I think they'll remain as competitive as ever. And then I think you're going to have three or four teams that now run it, the budget cap ourselves, uh, Renault, I think Racing Point, and I think, you know, Alpha Toro, you know, Red Bull, you know, if I'm Dr. Helmut Marco, I, I now have two teams and collectively I can kind of spread my resources and, and create two equal teams. So I think they're a big winner out, out of this as well. And, and then I think it closes the budget gap for, I'm not sure if Sauber and Haas and Williams will will run at the cap, but the, the difference between where they are today and where the cap will be will certainly be tighter. So I think everybody's really a, a winner at the end of the day, and it's going to make for fair, more balanced competition. Fairer, more balanced competition. But once all of the smaller teams have caught up, can you see a day when the tech rules might get tweaked again? Yeah, I think, you know, Formula One is always um, tweaking the rules which I think is a good thing. I think that's what Formula One is about. Uh, personally, I'd like to see it now that we have the budget cap in place. I'd like to see the rules opened up uh, a little bit because then it, it, you know, you can't outspend the competition. But if you have greater flexibility and freedom, maybe you can come up with a more clever idea. You know, much like when Ross Braun came up with the double diffuser. Uh, that gave him a head start. That wasn't an expense thing. That was a creativity thing. And so I, I think, you know, I think by standardizing some of these parts and tightening up the rules also closes the gap. But I'd like to maybe see that opened up now that we've got kind of budget managing how much we can spend. Well, what about your drivers, Daniel Ricciardo? We had him on the show last week, actually. He's in cracking form, very much looking forward to becoming a McLaren driver. But why him? And why not Carlos Sainz? First of all, they're both two, uh, two great drivers. We've had an outstanding experience with Carlos, and we have a, a year to go or a year to go in a half a, half a year. So, and, and he's been a big contributor to the success that we had last year. You know, Daniel's a driver that we wanted a couple of years ago. I think I've been on, on record that we're Daniel uh, Ricardo fans. Uh, he, he obviously chose to go to uh, Renault last time around, but we got our man uh, this time. I, I, you know, he's a seven-time Grand Prix winner. I think he's capable of winning the world championship in the right car immediately. I don't think we'll uh, give him a championship car, being realistic in 21, but hopefully we'll give him something he can uh, demonstrate his talent in. He's very exciting on the track. He's very exciting off the track. And I think the combination of Daniel and Lando, I can't think of a more exciting combination of of drivers i like where they're at in their careers and their their age and um so i think it's gonna be very exciting and uh but you know for right now we're, we're laser focused on 2020 you spoke of 2020 there zach do you view this year as a transitional one for mclaren given the impending change of engine yeah i, th I think 20 and 21 are going to be um kind of more the same of what we saw in 19 i think the midfield will be even closer looks to us from winter testing that Mercedes is 
going to be the dominant team again in 20. And because the rules, you know, we're only allowed to modify the cars, you know, not that much. I, I would anticipate Mercedes to be looking pretty good in 20 and 21. Looks like Red Bull took a step forward. So I think they'll be uh, chomping at their heels, but I'm not sure they can uh, catch them over a season. Ferrari was a bit tricky to read. People seem to think they may not quite have the pace, you know, unknown. I think that'll become clear soon. We're happy with the progress we made. Clearly, you know, Racing Point and the, uh, as everyone calls it, the, the pink Mercedes, they've become uh, extremely competitive overnight, which one would if you were using the, um, effectively the championship car from, from last season. That midfield battle will be even tighter, and I think that'll roll into 21. I think we'll have the benefit of having the Mercedes engine in 21, but that comes to the detriment of how much upgrades we can do to the car because with this token system that's been created, we're having to use some of our tokens to adapt our chassis for the Mercedes engine. So we'll have the benefit of what we think will be a more competitive power unit. We think the Renault engine is very strong, but I think we all people recognize the Mercedes as the strongest, but we'll be limited on what other development we can do. And uh, depending on how strong our car is, you know, that may or may not hurt us. So I think 22 is when the, you know, if there's a shakeup in the order, I think 22 is when that comes. You mentioned how much you can change the car there. Do you have complete clarity of how much you can modify the chassis to accommodate that new Mercedes power unit? Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty clear now. There's still some fine tuning going on, but um, you know, Andreas, who, who leads our Formula One team, and, and James Key, our, our technical director, they're uh, well stuck into it. I think they have a really good sense of uh, you know what they can and can't do. I'm sure they're telling you, Zach, that you need a completely new rear end. <laughs> <laughs> they are uh, they are certainly not sitting still and thinking they're just uh, going to change a few bolts and plug in a new power unit, and away we go. Zach, we're going racing next week. Looking at the sort of broader picture of Formula One, how much of a relief is it that we are going racing in terms of how much do you think the sport would have suffered and struggled had there been no world championship this year? Oh, I think it would have been very difficult. It's been very difficult, you know, for a lot of teams, ourselves included, very much so, having been what we've been through. And I think the caution is, we're going racing, but I don't think there's a guarantee that we're going to get in as many races as we hope. I think we will. You know, I don't think just because we're going to race one, that means life's back to normal. So I think we have to be very careful, very diligent, follow the rules, be very conservative. Obviously, we're all excited to go back racing. I think sport is a great healer around the the world, um, TV ratings and, and the following, I think, will be very uh, strong because you can only watch uh, so many replays uh, of, of sport. You know, I think we need to keep our head down and make sure we do get through this year. I think we will have all survived it and done a great job kind of over this last three, four months, but uh, we still have a ways to go. Go on then. If we're talking replays, what's your favorite Grand Prix of all time? Ooh, um, well, certainly Donington with Senna was an awesome just display. I'm a, Ayrton Senna was my favorite driver. So that was a, just an awesome display of Senna. Not necessarily a super exciting Grand Prix, 
because uh, he lapped almost everyone. I tend to watch uh, some of the uh, older races, you know, Jody Schechter around uh, Monaco in 77. While not a super exciting race, he was under a tremendous amount of pressure the entire time. I think Mansell's uh, British Grand Prix, you know, catching uh, PK, uh, that was awesome and exciting. And then some of the more recent ones, you know, the Brazils, the Germanys, the, the Bakus, here the last few years, those were uh, pretty uh, pretty exciting. Crikey, I think we've just found out that Zach Brown has an encyclopedic knowledge of <laughs> Formula One. That's amazing. <laughs> Look, Zach, it's been great to speak to you. Best of luck in Austria next week. Final thoughts from us are, do you think your guys, your drivers, are at a disadvantage by not having tested a Formula One car as we head to the Red Bull ring? Um, I, I don't think so. I mean, I'm basing that off of, Asking Carlos and, and Lando, I, um, I went out and did some karting with them. They did some Formula Three, so they they've, they're great athletes, and and you know they both kind of think five laps and they'll be back in the swing of things. So I think when you're at the level they're at, uh, it doesn't take long to uh, get back on the throttle. So I I, I don't uh, I don't think so. Great to hear from Zach Brown. You can hear the enthusiasm in his voice that we are not too far away from going racing once again. What stood out to me in that bit, TC, was two transitional years. I asked him about one transitional year, and he was open and honest and said that with the way it's all going to unfold, it is likely to be two transitional years for McLaren, and they are putting all of their focus towards 2022. And that is why I think Daniel Ricciardo has gone to McLaren. In last week's show, Ricardo talked about the pitches that he was made by the various teams. And I think it was McLaren's commitment to the new regs and the fact that the financial regulations are coming towards a team of that size that made him so excited and made him want to sign for McLaren two years after having refused to sign for them. Yeah, that's exciting. And also, Alex, I thought the way he said, yeah, let's open up the rule book again. You almost don't need a, a rules restriction if you've got a financial cap. So that'll be interesting to see what happens down the line, whether the financial cap is enough and that we can actually open up the rule book again and, and uh, give the teams a little bit more freedom to do what they want. How many of you, F1 Nation, have bilingual abilities? We're sure many of you do. You're a bright lot. And we're also sure there are some of you out there, like us, who are always keen to learn something new and mastering a new language is always high on that list. Well, Babbel can help you do just that. Babbel is designed to get you speaking a new language within weeks with daily 10 to 15 minute lessons. That's all it takes to help you feel confident speaking in your chosen language. There are 14 different languages to choose from, including French, Spanish, Italian, German, Portuguese, and Swedish. The beauty of Babbel is that it teaches real life conversations. So you learn through interactive dialogue, while its built-in speech recognition technology helps you improve your accent and pronunciation. What's more, the lessons are created by over 100 language experts. Yes, real people. And you can really tell the difference this makes to the learning experience compared to relying on translation machines. With each lesson, you definitely start to feel more confident that you're learning a skill that you can easily take out and put into practice in the real world. Babbel is available as an app or online, so no matter where you log on to a lesson, your progress will be synced across all of your own devices. Try Babbel today. Just go to babbel.co.uk or download the app for free. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.co.uk or download the app for free. Babbel, learn a new language and make it your own. 
We've got two Formula One drivers coming your way in a few moments' time. But first, a shameless plug for F1 TV's Pit Lane channel. It's a different way to watch Formula One with more onboards. It's got a three-box system, so you see more overtaking. There are more onboards, more team radio. There are more graphics. We have an eye commentator on it. We're going to have commentary on every single session this year, so you can see more of the Formula One season on the Pit Lane channel. Am I biased? Yes. Is it a brilliant way to watch Formula One? Yes. And if you get Formula One TV in any country, you can select the Pit Lane channel, see far more, and hear me getting excited about Formula One. Still to come, Rosanna Tennant returns for one final challenge. And thankfully, it's not a disgracefully rigged quiz like last week from Tom. Everybody loves a good quiz, Alex. What they don't like are sore losers, hey? (laughs) I'm not bitter at all, Tom. I don't know what you mean. But first, another Formula One driver. One of the standout moments of last year was Pierre Gasly's second place side by side with Lewis Hamilton over the line in Brazil. Ahead of the new season, F1 Nation's airport correspondent Rosanna Tennant phoned Pierre as he waited to board his flight to get his thoughts ahead of his third Formula One season. How are you feeling about getting back in a car? We've seen some other drivers in their cars. What's your feeling? I haven't had the chance yet, but then yeah, it's coming because uh, yeah, I'm going to be in the in the car tomorrow in, um, in Imola. So uh, yeah, that should be that should be good. I'm feeling good. I'm uh, actually um, at the airport right now, going to to Fenza. You know, I've I've missed racing. I've missed the the, the adrenaline rush, the competition so much. And yeah, now we are getting closer and closer to the first race. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just super excited and, um, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to get back in the car. Do you feel race ready? How's your training been? Probably, yeah, even surely in the, in the best shape I've ever been. So no training-wise, I think it was, uh, was really good period for us. We took the lockdown period more like a, a training camp uh, rather than a pure lockdown for us. So I think it was great. I, I never had that much time to, to train physically. So this was the, the positive side of it. Of course, we didn't have any driving for a long time. So uh, this will be uh, will be quite interesting to see uh, to see how it goes. I think the first uh, few laps might be a bit tricky, mm-hmm. and then and then after yeah, we get up to speed uh, pretty quickly. I guess. I think we're all looking forward to that first corner. You have <laughs> you've managed to keep your competition up though with a bit of esports, virtual Grand Prix, and the twenty four hours of Le Mans. How have they been for you? Yeah, I must say they, they were really fun. So. Um, I, I stayed in Dubai for two months and I didn't have access to, to any simulator there. So this was a bit the, the only downside of staying there. And then, yeah, when I came back, I jumped in the sim. Like, I think like the, the same day as I, I, I came back home and I did the yeah, back for Grand Prix, the 24 hours and, uh, and also Canada. And I must say this was really, really enjoyable. I didn't think I would get that excited from just the game, but yeah, obviously you put some drivers and um, and yeah, a game together. Of course, the the excitement was there, and yeah, no, I'm just looking forward to do it in reality because yeah, obviously it's uh, it's way more exciting for us, and um, yeah, no, we are just a couple of couple of days away from the the first race. I think we've loved watching you all compete online. But what about the 24 hours of Le Mans? Are you tempted to give it a go in the real real world? You know, I was always a big fan for, uh, of the 24 hours of Le Mans. And I lived there for five years. I studied from my 13th to my 18th uh, in Le Mans. So I feel like a special connection there, of course, with the city. And I, I've been to the, to the race many, many times. Um, just from a pure spectator when I was younger to inside the paddock and then leaving the, um, the, the race from a bit more like uh, with my friends and from, from the inside. And uh, no, for me, there is such a special atmosphere. 
and doing the race online already when I, I see um, how much excitement I got from, from just driving on my simulator at home. Yeah, I can just imagine in reality it must be uh, just incredible. So, thing obviously it's one day I like to do it. Right now I'm, I'm focusing 100% on Formula One. But um, if uh, a good opportunity comes to do it in uh, in good conditions, yeah, for sure I'll be I'll be tempted. How did you find staying awake for so long, or did you manage to have some sleep in between your stints? Um, I just had like three and a half hours uh, sleeping twenty four hours, but I, I was I was so excited, like uh, really, uh, I was I was shocked um, uh, how much excitement it gave me. So, so uh, just from a game, but everything was so real, um, and I really got into it because yeah, I'm really competitive, competitive, <laughs> and uh, and then uh, no, honestly, it was great. I finished my last bit, I think at three thirty. Until five, I just could not sleep. I was just like watching and I was checking the car is okay. Okay, we're still doing well. Nothing happened. Then I slept three and a half hours. I woke up first thing after two seconds. I went straight uh, on the internet to check if we were okay. <laughs> and, uh, Yeah, honestly, it was um, a pretty cool experience and uh, I really enjoyed it. Oh, that's awesome. And so what about 2020? What are you and the team expecting? What are you hoping for? Um... Well, we, we finished 2019 in a, in a really good way, so obviously we'll try to keep that momentum. I think it's it's still early to have any kind of performance targets because we don't really know in terms of performance where we where we are after the, the wind test. I think we saw Racing Point was really fast. Renault and McLaren are still fast, similar to last year. So I really hope we're going to be able to fight for points and, and that's going to be our targets uh, from the first race. Is it going to be achievable? I hope so, but I, I can't guarantee anything yet. So I think we need to give us um, yeah, a couple of races to really have a, a clear idea of uh, our competitiveness compared to the others. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we had a great end of 2019, so hopefully we can yeah just start this, this season the same way. Yeah. Definitely. Your performance was brilliant towards the end of last season. You know, obviously, everybody remembers the second place in Brazil, but except, um, except that, we had some, some many good other races in Japan, we finished seventh, in Singapore eighth. We were many times in Q3s and, and finished in the top ten. So, honestly, was, uh, I was really happy with the, how, how things were going with the team and, and the way we managed to perform. Um, so, no, I think we, we just need to keep that um, philosophy and, and keep that momentum um, in 2020. So what about the driver market then? It's really opened up during lockdown, all the moves that we've heard about. Have you got any idea about what 2021 is going to look like for you yet? Many people talking about 2021 already. I must say I don't want to think too much about this because there's still um, yeah, a full season to, to be done. And yeah, we saw in Formula 1 everything changes really quickly. So end of 2018, we were fighting with Carlos for the Red Bull seat. I, I, I got the seat for 2019 and then a year later I got the seat in Ferrari. So yeah, things are moving really fast in F1. I think you, you just need to keep delivering on track and, um, and, and things can change really fast. So. At the moment, I don't really want to think too much about next year and, and just focus on this year, deliver strong performances. And then, yeah, we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens uh, next year. Do you think you might have to look away from the Red Bull family for opportunities? At the moment, I'm not thinking about this. So, you know, Red Bull put me in Formula 1. I'm still contracted with Red Bull. Um, and then, yeah, we'll have to see um, what's best for 
all, all of us, you know, what, what we want to do together. But yeah, obviously my priority now is, uh, is with Red Bull. Well, brilliant to hear from Pierre Gasly there. We thank him for his time. Every time we speak to a Formula One driver, they always highlight something different about what they have missed not racing. And what stood out to me there was the fact he said competition. He's missed that competitive edge. All of the drivers miss it for different reasons. But Rosanna Tennant, who still joins us on the line, it was great to hear from him. And you could sense his enthusiasm to get racing again. Yeah, you could really hear how much of a buzz esports had given him over this shutdown period. And it was great that he'd really enjoyed the F1 virtual Grand Prix and that 24 hours of Le Mans. Uh, Yeah, really good to hear from Pierre and to hear that he's buzzing and raring to go for the season. There's two types of Formula One driver, I think. There's either one who relishes the competition or there's one that relishes driving the cars. And it seems to me there's very few that love both. I remember Alan McNish, Toyota driver in 2002, saying... It was all about the competition and wanting to go faster and, and, and beat other people. It wasn't so much driving a car on the limit, but Pierre is, uh, is one of those as well. Well, it might be the final show of our lockdown season, but we do still have time for this jingle. This is Challenge Rosanna. Yes, it's Challenge Rosanna, and we're going to spin that wheel. Are you ready, Rosanna? Give it a spin. Let's see what I'm up to. And it has landed on just a minute. Now, what can you tell us about that lasts one minute? Rosanna, in fact, I think you have a new show that you're going to tell us about at next weekend's Austrian Grand Prix. So you have one minute to tell us all about it without deviation or repetition. Off you go. Well, the F1 Live pre-race show is going to happen before the race. Half an hour of exciting content. I'll be in the studio. Will Buxton will be in the paddock and the pit lane, bringing us all the latest from there. We'll have interviews with drivers, with team personnel. We'll be talking to team principals. We'll be bringing you behind the scenes of the sport because, of course, we're super sad that we can't all be there together with you, the fans. We're going to be going out to 70 countries on F1 TV. So you need to go to F1.com to see if you're in one of those lucky countries. And we're going to have loads of exciting guests as well that you're going to be able to watch. Alex Brundle will be with me doing some analysis on some of the poll laps from the Saturday uh, session, of course, during qualifying. Then we'll be talking about that on the Sunday. I'll have Alex Jakes, of course, alongside me as my first guest for the first show. We're going to have lots of fun. As I said, I will be broadcasting from the studio our new home for F1 TV's F1 Live pre-race show you've got to sign up to be able to follow us on a Sunday afternoon before the race we are ready and raring to go we hope you're going to join us for this cool new race show on F1 can I stop now is it really 60 seconds (laughs) you've overshot but it's great that sounds amazing little bit of repetition Uh, Alex Brundle, Alex Jakes, but I suppose it's quite (laughs) difficult to get around that. Um, Wow, Rosanna, that sounds great. Yeah, it's going to be a really cool new show. Of course, we'd love to be at the track, all of us together, being able to to take you behind the scenes and and show you everything that normally happens on a normal F1 race weekend. But as we all know, the 2020 season is going to be far from normal, but we're going to do our absolute best. Well, Buxton, as you know, has super uh, amazing experience and knowledge about the Formula One world. He'll be in the pit lane in the paddock. Alex Brundle alongside me doing analysis. That's going to be great. And of course, Jakesy. I couldn't live without you. I couldn't do the show without you. It sounds great. I can't wait for that to start on F1 TV. And you finished off the shutdown season by completing 
the challenge. It is mission accomplished. Can I also say that I really enjoyed beating TC in a pub quiz? So, folks, you've just heard from one racing driver, Pierre Gasly, and you're going to hear from another racing driver in just a minute, Antonio Giovinazzi. But before we do that, that's got us thinking about Fantasy Formula One, because it's time to get your F1 fantasy team ready and prove that you know the most and invite friends into leagues. Choose your drivers and win exclusive signed prizes. So if you think you know Formula One, it is time to walk the talk with F1 Fantasy. It is really easy to get started and there is still time to sign up. All you have to do is create a team on fantasy.formula1.com by choosing five drivers and one constructor. So, TC, are you going to do what the entire world seems to be doing with this and uh, throw in Racing Point and Checo Perez? <laughs> Well, who's it going to be? I fancy McLaren. You go for Racing Point. I'm going to go for a whole bunch of young guns as my five drivers. Uh, So let's go for George Russell. Let's go for Pierre Gasly, the guy we've just listened to. Let's go for Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc and, and Carlos Sainz. So you could argue about this for hours, and that is the joy of Fantasy Formula One. Make sure you get your friends involved too by creating a league and challenging each other to prove which one of you knows the most about Formula One, or at the very least, caring about a battle for ninth place that previously you would not have bothered with. And aside from potential glory over your friends, you can also win prizes on a weekly basis. Plus, there's the main prize of Paddock Club passes to a Grand Prix of your choice in 2021. Where would you go, AJ? You've got to pick Monaco. If you've never been and you've got Paddock Club passes, you've got to pick Monaco. So it's all to play for. And even if you have a bad Grand Prix or two, there will be several mini leagues throughout the season for you to bounce back with. And you can win signed top prizes or get more friends to join. And you can always update your driver lineup before each qualifying session. But don't forget because what you were going to do will then turn out to have been an inspired choice. And no, I don't say that bitterly from experience. (laughs) So create a team on F1 Fantasy, choose your drivers, top the leagues, win exclusive signed prizes and challenge your friends. Go to fantasy.formula1.com. That's fantasy.formula1.com. We've got another megastar from the Formula One grid. I'm delighted that our final guest of the shutdown season is Alfa Romeo's Antonio Giovinazzi, and he joins us on the line now. Antonio, it's great to see you via Zoom. We're coming to the end of an extended period without racing. Now, obviously, for completely different reasons, but you've had to deal with this a couple of times before in your career. How has this period been for you? You know, I already had this situation before. For two years, I was the third driver of Ferrari, so no much racing and much longer, especially. But, you know, this time, uh, for sure, you know, last race was in December. I was ready to start the season in Melbourne and then uh, the issue stopped us for, uh, for racing. But uh, in then now I'm really happy that, you know, in uh, less than one week, we'll be, we will be back in the car, back on our business. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to do, to do again uh, racing again and uh, try to do really well. I'm sensing the enthusiasm. Now, I want to wind the clock back to the start of 2016 when you started in GP2. You were very open and honest back then about saying that you thought your career maybe would head in a touring car direction. You were maybe thinking of DTM back then. It's gone very well since that point. Have you had a chance to take stock of the fact that you made it, that you're representing your your country, you're representing your family in, in Formula One, or is the focus always on that next training session or that next race? 
yeah, I'll, you know, uh, I'm racing driver, so I'm always focused on the on the next goal, on the next target. Uh, but for sure, you know, if I'm looking back, uh, especially before 2016, you know, I was really close to signing DTM, and then uh, I was some issue there, and I uh, was actually without uh, without seat in that moment, you know, because Formula Three for me was over. I did three years. And uh, I had no possibility in that moment to go to Formula 2. But then, uh, thanks to, to Ricardo Gelay, you know, that uh, gave to me another opportunity, you know, to race uh, in Formula 2 that year. And then after that, he se- that season, uh, my career just got, you know, the, the opportunity with Ferrari, the opportunity to then to race in, in Formula 1 like official driver with Alfa Romeo. So, you know, it was a special moment for me, special season. I remember that you was uh, the commentator that moment and uh, because, you know, I, I, I saw back some races and it was great, you know, it was a great season with Pierre. And uh, like you say, you know, I think after that season for me was, you know, the open, uh, open the big doors for, uh, for Formula One. And in the end, you know, for sure my target since I start my career was always to become a Formula One driver. But then I saw that, you know, the difficulty was really hard because it was only 20 drivers. So it was not uh, easy to become a Formula One driver. So I was, uh, I was really happy, you know, on my, on my, in my side to be just a professional driver to work on the, in this world and but then you know when i got the, the opportunity for Formula 1 for sure was uh, was the dream came true for me so it's your second full season you've got Kimi Raikkonen as a teammate and there are five Ferrari academy drivers in formula 2 this year are you feeling any pressure or do you feel a confidence for your second full season in formula 1 uh you know i always said pressure on my on my career every year you know because uh get, got what i got with my sacrifice with my hard work this this year will be same that uh, last year or same that two years ago so just do well and uh, i can continue on on my way you know so if i'm doing well nothing uh, nothing can happen so i'm, I'm not i need just focus in uh on uh, my feeling, on uh, on my experience, worked really hard. I have Kimi like teammate, like you say, so I can uh, I can grow up like a driver still. Already last year, I think I did a big step from the first part of the season to the second part. Now I need to just uh, work again and uh, try to grow up like a driver and uh, do well. And then uh, I'm sure that I can stay in this world for uh, for a long period. Now, Antonio. I've been banging on about this already in the show, earlier on in this show, but there's a chance, I believe, that you may get to perform in front of your Italian fans three times this year. Have you seen that the boss of Imola has said, why don't we have a triple header in Italy, Monza, Mugello and Imola? And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And also, if you have any inside information about whether it's actually going to happen. You know, I'm just really happy to hear this one because for me, you know, to race three times in Italy is something, uh, you know, never happen again. And I will be the first Italian driver to race in one year in three Italian races. So it will be really cool. Uh, we don't know yet, but I'm, you know, I'm a big supporter of this. And uh, unfortunately, you know, it will be not the same things that, you know, when I raced last year because, you know, the people make the difference for me the fans, the Tifosi, and unfortunately will, uh, the people will not be there. But, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that uh, for three weeks and uh, on the row I can, uh, I can race in, uh, in Italy and uh, we'll see. I'm uh, just uh, really, you know, uh, exciting about this news and uh, we'll see what happens. But I'm, uh, like I said before, I'm a big supporter. Well, I'm encouraged that you've at least heard the story. And if it does happen, what's your favourite track of those three? Uh, you know, there are Three fantastic tracks. Uh, Monza, for sure. You know, I had a lot of experience there. A lot 
lot of races uh, and it's you know it was my first Italian Grand Prix last year so for me it's special uh, special track but Mugello I think uh, with this new Formula One car is uh, is unbelievable track and uh, I can you know it would be amazing I think to to do one quali lap there but also Imola you know a lot of history a lot of uh, is a really fast track uh, uh, really uh, narrow track as well so you know I think uh, it's special you know I just just you know want to race on three of them because uh, I think they are really fantastic and exciting tracks. I was looking at some footage of the Alpha Tauri going through Aqua Minerale yesterday. Yes. <laughs> no, look, yes. look, while we're talking all things Italian, Ferrari, certainly in the UK, there was a, a feeling that you might be in the running to uh, be alongside Charles Leclerc in 2021. It didn't work out. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And has Ferrari been in contact and explained to you why they went for Carlos Sainz instead? In my career, I never got something really easy, you know, and I think this was, for me, was too much easy because, you know, just after 23 Grand Prix, I uh, got uh, the seat that every driver wants. Uh, was just too easy, I think. But, you know, Mattia, like, already told me many times, he followed me. I'm still uh, on, the, uh, on the Ferrari. I'm still Ferrari driver. Of course, my, my uh, target and, uh, you know, I'm an official Alfa Romeo racing Poland driver. But, you know, I'm still part of that family. And they will follow me. Uh, I'm sure that uh, if I can do well in the in the future, you know, I'm still young, so I'm I'm sure that uh, if I'm still doing well and uh, I can do everything I want, I can have that opportunity. For me, Ferrari is uh, you know the team that that I dream since I I was three years old when I started with karting, and I will do all my best to achieve that target. So we'll see what happens. I'm sure uh, a good result, first of all, with Alfa Romeo can help me on uh, to to re- receive something back and uh, to achieve my target that is uh, to become a formula 1 driver with ferrari so we'll see now the last time alex and i saw you i think was probably winter testing i don't remember seeing you in melbourne because it was all a bit fleeting wasn't it you had a ponytail back then and i'm just wondering can you just turn this is a zoom call is it still a ponytail or have you had it all shaved off? Because it might be quite long if you haven't had it cut. All the the address was closed. So for me, it was just perfect because I want long hair. And I will care this, I say, you know, I, I will cut the, just my hair if I do podium this year. So it's like a bet with Fred. I'm sure he's, he's pushing uh, you know, to cut my hair. But uh, I will, um, I will uh, you know, I just love long hair. So I just say, OK, if I do podium, it's good for me. It's good for the team. And I would cut my head. So, you know, it's a bet. I think if you finish in the points next weekend, Fred's going to get hold of that because that was a nice visual. <laughs> You're going to have to go up a helmet size. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Then we need to change all the helmets because we'll be much more. <laughs> but, you know, I know, you know, last year I already lost my, my hair from Red Bull Ring, actually from Austria, because I got my first point. Uh, we'll see. I say already to Fred that I will cut just my hair this year just if I do volume. So we'll see what happens. Antonio, thank you very much for your time. We've spoken to people across the last few weeks in home offices, in gardens, in pretty sterile office blocks. No one has had the roof terrace that you have with that glorious view behind. So I think you've won most glamorous location for an interview across this. Yeah. I love my, you know, uh, south of Italy, where I am now is where I grew up because now I live in Monaco, but in Monaco was everything closed, gym and everything. I take straight away the, the opportunity to come back and now I'm, you know, I just uh, relax here. Of course, I'm training quite hard, 
because my trainer is here as well. Uh, but you know, in the in this moment, it was good to to show all of you the good you know place that uh, that uh, I grew up, and uh, you know, it's always special to be here. Oh, Alex, great to have Antonio on the show. And the more you speak to that man, the more you realize there is a real character there. And there's also, I think, a real mental resilience in that, yes, he was pushed back by Ferrari, but he doesn't seem to be depressed about it. He's just cracking on with it. And prior to that interview, I was just looking at Antonio's career history on the internet. And I see that in 2012, he did Formula China. That requires mental resilience, I think, at the age of 19 to leave your home, southern Italy, and go and live and do an entire season's racing in China. So really interesting guy who you know better than I do, but do you see that mental resilience in him as well? The mental side of Antonio Giovinazzi is is fascinating to me because he has received, as he points out, a lot of setbacks, a lot of knockbacks. But if he gets comfortable if he gets everything, and sometimes that can take a while. We saw that at the start of last year. His first full season took a while for him to get comfortable and working relationships. And But once he is comfortable, there is a there is a deep well of talent to draw upon there. And I think that gives you an indication for why Ferrari have stood by him. And it's a pivotal campaign for him. I think he knows that. I think you heard it in the interview there. And you say it's a pivotal season. He has to beat Raikkonen this year, doesn't he? Yeah, Kimmy already making noises about that'll do. Uh, is it, that's the, that's the, I'm not sure that's the official press release, but you definitely get the feeling that when he's go-karting with his boy, he's clearly almost emptied the tank for what is possible in Formula One, giving us a load of brilliant memories. But uh, Kimi Raikkonen in his 40s is a driver that Antonio needs to put away over the course of the season. I think qualifying will be important for that. He knows Ferrari have a queue of talent waiting to be promoted if he can't deliver the undoubted talent that he has. Well, that is nearly all we have time for for this week's F1 Nation. But, Tom, I'm going to risk it again. The hype is over. The next time you see and hear F1 will be in Austria. (laughs) And I think surely you're right this time. What are you expecting? Let's finish our Friday run with a bold prediction from you, TC. Oh, crikey. So the last time we saw 2020 Formula One cars running in action was, uh, of course, during pre-season testing in Barcelona. Much cooler uh, conditions, uh, very different kind of racetrack. And it was also testing was one of those really inconclusive sessions for me in that at the end of the second week, we never saw uh, some, you know, soft tyre, low fuel runs, Banzai laps from people to see what the cars could do. They couldn't do that. The fastest lap of the whole of testing was at the end of the first week by Valtteri Bottas. But having said all of that, AJ, I think we saw enough from Mercedes to know that uh, they are going to be the pace setters. Hamilton's won in Austria once before. Bottas has won in Austria once before. So I'm going to say it's going to be one of those two that's going to win the 2020 Austrian Grand Prix. How about you? For me, I don't think there's a question about whether Mercedes will be fastest. I think the two questions are, one, will they trip over Austria like they have done in the last couple of years? We've heard from James Allison on this podcast about how they made mistakes in Austria. So will they get past that this time? And the other key question, how far away will Max Verstappen and Red Bull be? You give him a sniff, he's always got an opportunity. If there's uh, different conditions, slightly cooler, slightly warmer than we expected, that could catch Mercedes out. Well, and of course, Max has won the last two Austrian Grand Prix. So that that team, that car, that driver is really good there. But I'm sticking with Mercedes. And folks, you can tune in 
on our first Tuesday show, July the 7th, to find out just how wrong we are. I think we've just guaranteed that a Ferrari is going to win in Austria after that prediction, TC. Well, that is the end of the Formula One off-season, and that is the end of F1 Nation on a Friday. Thanks for keeping us company over the last nine weeks. A massive thank you to all of the guests, especially today's. Zach Brown, Pierre Gasly, and Antonio Giovinazzi. We will speak to you the Tuesday after the Austrian Grand Prix, July the 7th, when F1 Nation returns. Hold up. 